You're listening to Center Church Podcast. At Center Church, we strive to keep Jesus at the center of everything we do. You're about to hear a message from our pastor, Matthew Edwards. But before you do, we want to invite you to visit our website at centercharlotte.org. There you can sign up for our weekly emails and receive new content as we release it. Secondly, we want to invite you to visit our pastor's blog at matthewedwards.cc. And finally, if this podcast ministered to you in any way, go ahead and subscribe and you'll be the first to know when we release more content in the future. Thanks for listening in and be blessed. Well, anyways, that said, um, let's go ahead. If you have your Bible, can you do that? Can you open up in your Bible? I just had the verse. So you're getting me raw, unprepared this morning. In fact, let me go ahead and prove to you I'm not actually joking at all. Um, no, not that. Fast forward, fast forward, fast forward, fast forward. Fast forward a little more. You're the fourth within the flames. I love that phrase. Uh, no. <laughs> no, he's not finished with you yet. Keep going, keep going, keep going. There it is. See? He was supposed to come. But it's all good. We will uh, definitely have him back sooner than later. And we'll let him share something at the end if that's all right. But if you have your Bible, can you open up with me to, I want to say First Peter. No, I'm sorry. I think it's Second Peter. It is. It's 2 Peter chapter 4. I'm sorry, chapter 2. 2 Peter chapter 2. And we'll pick up at verse 4. I'm going to share something with you that I have shared before. We've shared in church probably about three, almost four years ago. It's not on the podcast. Um, I shared it in a Bible study about a year and a half ago. So it was still, it's not on the podcast. Um, But it's one of those things where I see my life. I see the life of some people around me. And if you want to know what the difference is, not you, but if the people around me, they say, okay, you know, they, let me say it like this. I know that there is a difference. And I think that they know that there is a difference. And there's some people I've kind of shared some about. I haven't given you any details as to who they are because we don't do that. But there's some people who they've said, I'm going to, I'm going to do my best to stop Matthew from going any further. And the Lord, when the Lord is your defense, you really don't have to fight anybody. You don't ever have to fight. You can just kind of stay back. Um, and when you let the Lord fight your battle, it gives them a chance to say, A, I will humble myself under the hand of God who will promote you in due time. That's Peter. Or I'm going to keep fighting this until this is the end of my time here. And so at the end of the day, it's really never on you. The, the only thing you have to do is be humble enough to say, I'm not going to fight. I'm not going to fight back. I'm not going to say what I really want to say. I'm not going to go above this person or go above that person or go around this person. I'm literally going to just say, hey, I'm in the lion's den, but don't worry. When the stone is rolled away, I'll still be standing. Right. I don't have anything to say about the people who had everything to say about me. I'll just stay quiet. And there's a significant difference between us and them. Now, knowing that, let me say this. the, The quick, easy answer is it's the favor of God. That's it. It's the unearned, unmerited, undeserved favor of God. There's just no way around it. It's God's favor. But part of the question is this. On one side of the aisle, there are believers who are not experiencing the favor of God. On the other side of the aisle, there are people who are experiencing the favor of God. Now, if you want to know what the significant difference is, or one of the differences is this. Some people on this side of the aisle who are not experiencing God's favor, part of it is this. They look at themselves. They look at what they're not doing. They look at what they are doing, and they're constantly trying to figure out what they can do better. Whereas people on this side of the aisle, we know that we are a mess. We don't roll in mud because sheep, don't, they're not comfortable in mud. Let me say that very loud. We are not comfortable in mud. But when we fall in the mud, we don't beat ourselves. We don't beat ourselves up. What do we do? 
We just sit there and cry until the shepherd comes, picks us up, washes us off, puts new oil on us and says, welcome back. Right. So there's some of us who know how to say, let's rest in the arms of the shepherd. Whereas on the other side of the aisle, there's some people who are saying, oh, man, I'm beating myself up. I'm beating my. How could I not? How could I not? How could they? How could they? And on the other side, they're constantly fighting to move ahead in life. Whereas on this side of the aisle, we're all just enjoying the shepherd. Amen. Amen. But you know what we have not done yet? We have not prayed. Thank you. Meemaw is on it. Thank you, Meemaw. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning, Lord, for your word and most importantly for your truth. And Father, I thank you that your word declares that as the word goes forth, you transform us. You transform us. So this morning, Jesus, we rest in your presence. Lord, we rest in your presence. And Father, I ask this morning that you would give me a hearing heart, as always, that you would give me a hearing heart to hear your words, to hear your voice, that everyone would walk out of here with exactly what you would have for them. Not what I prepared, because, Lord, you know how unprepared I am. But in my weakness, may your grace be made perfect. So, Father, we thank you for your presence that's here this morning. And we thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, everyone said? Amen. Amen. And let's not forget, what is the theme of this year? A hearing heart. This is the year of the hearing heart. God said, if you ask me for it, I will give it to you. So I'm excited. It's been a really good season. Uh, it hasn't been good for everybody, but it's been a really interesting season. So let's continue. Where were we? What were we talking about? Knowing the difference. What is the difference? So let me say this. When it comes to what is the striking difference between us and them, and I'm not trying to make it like it's a us and them, like it's us against them, them against us. But you know that when Paul talked about the us and them, and I'm using that phrase on purpose, when Paul talked about the us and them idea, you know that Paul said this. He talked about the difference between those who are half children to our Heavenly Father and those who are full-blooded children to our Heavenly Father. Now, I'm referencing from Galatians. In Galatians, Paul says this. All of you who are under the grace of God, all of you are like sons of Sarah, or like my mom's conference is going to be called, daughters of Sarah. You are sons and daughters of Sarah. So the idea is this. When Sarah gave birth to a son, guess what? If she gave birth to five sons, 10 sons, 15 daughters, it didn't matter. Every one of those children were all born into freedom. Are you with me? They were born into freedom. That means no matter what they did good, no matter what they did bad, it had no effect on what they would inherit. They were born into freedom, meaning everything that their father owns, they will get. Then he says this. On the other side, you have Hagar, who she was a slave. She was a servant in the house. She was a slave. And even though she had children by Abraham, it didn't matter because every child that she gave birth to, they were automatically born into what? Slavery, servitude. So again, and then Paul says this, the church is in the same position. On one side of the aisle, we have free children, children of Sarah, children of Zion. We have free sons and daughters of God that no matter what you do, God is saying, you are my child. You look like me. You sound like me. You smell like me. It doesn't matter how far you go, how bad you are. You are mine. (laughs) And all that is mine is yours by inheritance, meaning is nothing to do with you. But it's just because of the blood that you have. Guess what? It's yours. On the other side of the aisle, you have the half sons and daughters. Now, God told Abraham, I will take care of Ishmael. I will take care of Ishmael. But Ishmael is not the one to receive the inheritance. Likewise, everyone who is from Sarah, all of us, under the grace of God, guess what? You have an inheritance that belongs to you. And it has nothing to do with you, but everything to do with the blood that's on you. Or let me say it like this, the blood that is in you, the blood of Jesus. Yes. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. 
So again, this has nothing to do with you, but everything to do with your birth. On the other side of the aisle, like Paul said, everyone who has come from Hagar, the servants, guess what? You have an inheritance, but it is nothing like ours. You'll spend your life working and fighting and working and fighting and complaining, God, when, God, when, God, why, God, why? And all the while, the Lord is saying, if you would just step out from under servitude and come under my sonship, you could have it all freely. And then he goes on to say this. Those who are from Sarah are like Mount Zion. Those who are from Hagar, you are like Mount Sinai, where God gave the law. You want to be under the law? Fine. Be a servant. But you want to be under grace? Be a son. And everyone said, amen. Man, you need to stop preparing for church. Good God. I'm joking. I love you. So let's open up. What is the difference between us and them? Yes, the quick answer is favor. Uh, but what, what causes God's favor to come to all of us? And I'm going to share something with you. Again, I've shared it before, but let's dive into it. If you have your Bible, open to 2 Peter chapter 2. And I apologize. We will not have this on the screen. 2 Peter chapter 2. Let's look at verse 4. In 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 4, the apostle Peter says, For if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains, but saved Noah, one of eight people, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood on the world of the ungodly, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them to destruction, making them an example to those who afterward would live ungodly, and delivered what type of lot? What's the adjective? One more time, delivered who? Oh, you said it. What? The just or what? Righteous? One and the same? And let's pause this for a moment. Sorry? Second Peter chapter 2, verse 4. Uh, what are we talking about? In verse 4, let's read verse 4 down to 7 one more time. One more time, verse 4. The apostle Peter says, For if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment, and he did not spare the ancient world, but he saved Noah, one of eight people, a preacher of what? Righteousness, bringing in the flood on the world of the ungodly and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into what? Condemning them to destruction. This is the heavy verses, right? <laughs> Making them an example. To those who afterly, afterward, I'm sorry, to those who afterward would live ungodly, right? Those who live ungodly, this is your example. Then you come to verse 7. But he delivered what lot? Righteous. Oh, come on, one more time. He delivered what lot? Righteous. righteous. Now, if you search the Old Testament, you will never find that the Bible calls him righteous. And yet, right here, what does he say? He was what lot? Righteous lot. Let's keep going. Verse 7. Who was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked? For that what man? Righteous. Righteous man. Dwelling among them tormented his what soul? Oh, come on. One more time. What was it? Righteous soul. <laughs> lot tormented his righteous soul. Meaning, Lot was righteous. Make no mistake about it. Lot was righteous. Now, you say, how was Lot righteous? There's two ways you can be righteous with God. And let's not forget the simple definition. What does it mean to be righteous? It means that me and God are in right standing. Whatever God has belongs to me. Whatever I have belongs to him. I don't have much, so I just take his. <laughs> I don't really have anything, so I just take his. Righteousness means me and God are in right standing. Now, there's only two ways you can be right with God. You ready? Number one, by the law. If you are good enough, you are in right standing. Number two, ready? Number two, by faith. By faith. Not by what you do, but by what you believe. One more time. Not by what you do, 
but by what you believe. If it's not by what I do, but by what I believe, then that means what I do is irrelevant. It's what I believe. Are you with me? So the law was not given at the time that Lot was alive. So that means if he wasn't righteous by the law, the only other way he could have been righteous was what, by what? Faith. By faith. So that means Lot was also righteous by faith. Now, if we know that Abraham was righteous by faith, his, what was that, his uncle? Because Lot was his nephew, yeah. If his uncle was righteous by faith and Lot, the nephew, was righteous by faith, there is a striking contrast between the two. Now, if you go to the Old Testament, you will find that God declared Abraham was righteous. If you remember that, it says that he he took Abraham. He said, you will have a son. And Abraham said, oh, God, you know, I'm old. My wife is old. Give it to Ishmael, who came through through my servant, through the slave. And God said, no, I don't want Sarah is the one. And then he said, Abraham, let's take a walk outside. Interesting and very beautiful uh, way to paint it. God loves to walk with Abraham. You know who else God walked with? Adam. Interesting. Very interesting. So he says, let's walk outside. So they walk out and he looks up and he says, Abraham, can you count the stars? And we've shared that before. One day we'll do that. He said, tell the story in the stars. And Abraham said, I believe. Now, it's a weird way of wording it. If he said, count the stars, Abraham said, I believe. What did he believe? Literally in the Hebrew, he says, tell the story in the stars. So Abraham looked up and he saw the story in the stars and he believed what he saw. And God said in that moment, he made him righteous by what he believed. So we know Abraham knew in his heart, me and God are good. It doesn't matter what I do. Me and God are good. Yes, I lied to the to Pharaoh, but me and God are still good. Yes, I lied again to the king of Egypt. But again, God protected him. Me and God are good. Every time he did something wrong, God always took care of him in spite of him. So guess what? As far as Abraham knows, me and God are good. But if you search the whole Old Testament, you'll never find that same relationship with Lot and God, who God said, we are righteous. Are you with me? So let's do this for a moment. Can we do this? Can we go to the Old Testament? Do this with me. Go to uh, Genesis chapter 18. Genesis chapter 18. We're going to do something that I love to do. We're going to compare two chapters back to back. Is that all right? Beautiful. Genesis 18. We're going to pick up in verse 1. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll skim through 18 and 19. We're not going to read the whole chapters of 18 and 19, but we are going to go through them. But what I wanted you to see in 2 Peter was this. God declared that Lot was righteous three times. Make no mistake about it. Lot was righteous. But if you come to the end of the story... At the end of Lot's story, Lot lost his wife. Lot lost everything that he owned. He even, in a sense, lost his daughters. Because if you remember how his story ends, if you remember, his story ends with his two daughters saying, let's get him drunk. We are the last people on earth. Let's get him drunk. Let's lay with him so that we can repopulate the earth. Now, where did they get that idea from? No one knows. But let me say this. Wherever they got that idea from, they were lost a long time ago. Long time ago. So Lot lost his wife, his daughters, his sons-in-laws who stayed in the city. Lot lost everything. But God said he was what? Righteous. Righteous. Is it possible to be the righteousness of God in Christ? Is it possible to be saved by Jesus, by the blood of the Lamb? Is it possible to be righteous and lose everything? Is it possible? Absolutely. We see it all the time. But on the other hand, I want all of you to know that is not you in the valley. Like Abraham, you are on the mountain. You are under the grace of God. You are right with God by what you believe. Right with God by faith. By faith. And because it's by faith, guess what? 
even though there are some who will lose everything. Like David said, a thousand may fall at my side and 10,000 at my right hand. But guess what? It will never come near you, sons and daughters of Abraham and Sarah. And everyone said, "Mm, amen. So let's look at the difference for a moment here. Are you ready? Let's look at a little bit of a difference here. In Genesis chapter 18. The Lord appears to Abraham. It says in verse one, it says, then the Lord appeared to him by the terebinth trees of Mamre, and he was sitting in the tent door in the heat of the day. So he lifted his eyes and looked and behold, three men were standing by him. And when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them. I'm sorry. He ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the ground. And look what he said in verse three. My Lord, if I have now found favor in your sight, do not pass on by your servant. Please let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. And I will bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh your hearts and that you may pass by inasmuch as you have come to your servant. They said, do as you have said. Now notice real quick, one more time in verse five, he said this. I will bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh your hearts and that you may pass by inasmuch as you have come to your servant. When you look up the word morsel in the Hebrew, guess what? It literally means not even a whole loaf. Let me bring just a corner of the loaf of bread. Three people showed up. He identified this is the Lord. He spent enough time with him. This is the Lord in the flesh. Who is the visible image of the invisible God? Jesus. The visible image of the invisible God in Colossians is Christ, but it's pre-incarnate. He's not here yet. He can come, but he can't stay. Sin hasn't really been removed yet. So because sin hasn't been removed yet, he can't stay. He can give you favor, but he can't stay yet. Right. So he comes with two angels. And when he shows up, Abraham registers. Wait a second. This is the Lord. He says, quick, my Lord, I know you were probably passing by. Let me bring you just a corner of the loaf of bread. Not even a whole loaf. Let me just give you a corner of a loaf of bread. And the Lord says to him, do as you said you've done. Now Watch this. Watch what he does. So verse six. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah and said, quickly, make ready three measures of fine meal. Knead it and make cakes. That is not a morsel. And Abraham ran to the herd, took a tender and good calf, gave it to a young man, and he hastened to prepare it. That's not a morsel either. Verse 8, so he took butter and milk and the calf which he had prepared and set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree as they ate. He said, God, let me just give you a little bit. And the Lord said, fine, do as you do as you said you'll do. He goes and makes a buffet. (laughs) He says it before the Lord. Now, look at his heart. Look at his heart. Now, I ask you, this is a big question in the church. The big question in the church at large is this. How do we address sin in the church? Right. That's a big question still to this day. Two thousand years after the cross, we're still asking, how do we address the sin issue in the church? And it's sad because in America, we've let the world define how we can address sin in the church. All right. Very sad. Now, you want me the answer? You want my answer? The answer is very simple. The Apostle Paul said we love much because he's loved us. We love because he first loved us. John, we, have, we love because he has first loved us. Then Jesus went on to say this. Those who know they are forgiven much, they will what? Love much. love much. It's for a lack of God's people knowing that they are forgiven, that they don't love him much. Now, let's fast forward. The Apostle Paul, adding and complimenting to what Jesus said himself, went on to say this. The love of God restrains me. It restrains me. The reason why sin has not been dealt with is because people don't know that they're forgiven yet. People don't know they're forgiven. And because they walk around believing that they're not forgiven, they struggle with sin. But my God, if if the truth was known, if the truth was known, the church would be much farther down the road than where we are now. 
And instead, we've let the world define what sin is and how we should deal with sin in the church. How can this guy be a pastor and do all these things? How can this guy be a deacon and do all these things? Who is he? He should be. He should be perfect. He should be perfect. And we say, you're right. You're right. We should be perfect. Okay, let's hide our failures. Let's hide our, our wounds. Let's hide all the things that got us to this point. Let's not really address the real issues. Let's just hide it from the world so that we can paint a beautiful picture of perfection so that people will receive from all of us. And all the while, Jesus, is, he shows up to his disciples and says, look at my wounds. <laughs> have peace. Because look, I have wounds. And at that same meeting, not the same meeting, but in that same room, just a few days earlier, you know what he told them? The world will hate you. They'll beat you. They'll persecute you. But my God, take heart because I have overcome the world. Everything you will go through, I've been through it and I've been through worse. Don't be ashamed of your wounds. <laughs> Don't be ashamed. And the same one who heard Jesus say that said in 2 Peter, I believe, in 2 Peter said this, take heart knowing that the same problems you're going through, your brethren are being afflicted with across the world. You don't have to be perfect. (laughs) You don't have to be perfect. But how do we deal with sin? I believe Abraham is a beautiful example of that right here. How do we deal with sin? Abraham knew that God had forgiven him. Abraham knew that he was the righteousness of God. He knew that me and God are right, and it has nothing to do with what I've done wrong or what I've done right. He knew that God has declared me righteous. And because God declared him righteous, he said, can I just give you a little piece? And God said, go right ahead. He said, great. God gave me an inch. I'm going to take a mile. Let's put a buffet before the Lord. Let's put a buffet before the Lord. You come into the church, Lord, I just, just want to sing one song, Lord. Then you get up and everybody's crying, falling on the floor. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> and you have this powerful move of the Holy Spirit. I just wanted to sing one song. But your heart for God is the reason why. It's your heart for your heavenly father. It's your heart for Jesus. It's your heart. And we can tell people, you have to have a heart for him. But they'll never have a heart until they know that they are forgiven. Are you with me? <laughs> I'm telling you, what if we had a generation of kids that just grew up knowing Jesus forgave me from the beginning. I mean, think about it. Most of us got it when you were adults. I started getting it when I was in my 20s and I tried to give it to teenagers. But imagine if you had a child from the age of like two, three, growing up going, God's not holding one thing against me. My God, how much further will the church be 10 years from now? Are you with me? Let's keep moving. So he puts a, uh, puts a buffet in front of the Lord. So then he says, verse 9, so they said to him, where is Sarah, your wife? So Abraham said here in the tent, verse 10, and he said, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life. And behold, Sarah, your wife shall have a son. Sarah was listening in the tent door, which was behind him. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I won't do it. Now, Abraham and Sarah were old. Well advanced in age, and Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. Therefore, Sarah laughed within herself and said, After I have grown old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord, being old also? And the Lord said to Abraham, now watch this. The Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I surely bear a child since I'm old? Now let me ask you this. If God said you're going to have a son, and you're like 85 years old, and you laugh, let me ask you this. Is that belief or unbelief? Is that your son? Is that it? Let's move right along. Verse 14, is anything too, too hard? So what does the Lord say? Why did she laugh? So verse 14, this is, I'm sorry, I'll move on. Is anything too hard for the Lord at the appointed time? I will return to you according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. And he said, but you did laugh. <laughs> now, let's do this. Put your finger here. Turn to the very next chapter. 
Look at this, Genesis 19. Now keep in mind, after they had their meeting with Abraham, God pulls Abraham to the side and says, let me tell you, since you and I are friends, let me tell you what I'm going to do. So he says, I'm about to go to Sodom and Gomorrah and I'm about to destroy it. The sin has come up to me. And now I'm at the point where I have to address it. And Abraham says, what? Knowing his nephew's in there, he says, well, if there's 100 righteous, will you destroy it? The Lord says, no. He says, if there's 50 righteous, will you destroy it? I won't destroy it if there's 50. Okay, okay. I know I've pushed the envelope. I know you are God. Who am I to question you? But let me ask you something. If there's 20 righteous, will you? I won't destroy it if there's 20. He says, okay. I'm just dust and ashes. <laughs> Who am I? Who am I to question the Almighty? But I have one more question. Just, just one more question, Lord. The Lord says, Abraham, what is it? He said, if there's just 10 righteous, would you destroy this city if there's 10? And the Lord said, I won't destroy if there's 10. Now, it's almost as if the Lord knows, hey, let's keep going. Let's push the envelope. If there's 10, I won't destroy. If there's 100, no. If there's 50, no. If there's 20, no. If there's 10, no. You got any more for me? He says, no, that's good. Probably assuming five people probably got two other people to join with them. Why would God destroy if there's 10? No one's going to be destroyed. Lot, you owe me one, bro. You owe me. All right. <laughs> so anyways, the Lord says, thank you. Two angels head towards Sodom, but the Lord doesn't go himself. So when they go, they arrive in Sodom and we pick up at chapter 19, verse one. It says, now the two angels came to Sodom in the evening and Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. Now, keep in mind, sitting at the gate literally means he was uh, 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 in in. In meaning, it means he was on the, like, in the, the bureaucracy. He was, he had a position with the city, if that makes sense. He was like, um, council or mayor, something along those lines. He had a position in the city. So anyways, sorry. Yes, with the elders of the city. All right. So it says, when Lot saw them, he rose to meet them and he bowed himself with his face toward the ground. Abraham did the same thing, right? Right. Look at this in verse two. And he said, here now, my lords, please turn to your servant's house and spend the night and wash your feet that you may rise early and go on your way. And they said, what did they say? No, but we'll spend the night in the open square. But he insisted strongly. So they turned into him and entered his house. Then he made them a feast and baked unleavened bread and they ate. Now watch this. Abraham says, please come. They said, we'll come. He says, please have a morsel of bread. They say, cool. He gives them a buffet. Lot says, please come to my house. They say, no. <laughs> Wait a second. Aren't both men righteous? God loves spending time with some people. Some people he is stuck with. <laughs> He's, come to my house. They say, no. He says, please. No. He insists and insists strongly. And finally, the Lord says, fine, we'll go. Then he says, quick, come and I'll give you all this food to eat. Spread food out. He gives them unleavened bread. Will you bring your gift to the Lord? Yeah, 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 yeah. But I'm only going to give you minimum. Are you with me? One man knows he's right with God. He gives God everything he has. One man doesn't know he's right with God, and he only gives God the bare minimum. Are you with me? That's why, listen, and I've said this before, i say it again. Actually, I heard it on the podcast this past week. I was like, man, that was good. The past, whew, anyways, that guy's in the church. He's all right. He said, <laughs> he said this, I don't blame God's people when they don't give God 100%. I don't blame God's people when they don't give him 50%. I've, in fact, I stopped blaming God's people a long time ago and I stopped telling God's people, why don't you? You need to. I blame the ones who have been preaching and teaching God's word. It's not their fault. It's their fault because they should have told them the truth. Someone should have told us the truth a long time ago. You have the same Bible I had. You have the same Holy Spirit that I have. And yet for some reason, we're just now getting to the truth. (laughs) 
So you know what? I don't blame God's people when they don't give 100%. I realize, like Jesus said, in many ways, we've all been like sheep without a shepherd. But praise God, Jesus, I'm sorry, God said in Isaiah, the time will come, the time will come when I will raise up new shepherds and I will bring my sheep from the north, from the south, from the east and from the west. And I'll bring them back under the hands of someone who will count them. And none of my sheep will be afraid. None of them will be hungry. None of them will be lacking. None of them will be sick. They will all be taken care of. And the message that will be preached, the same context, the message that will be preached is Jesus, the Lord, our righteousness. Mm. (laughs) I love it. I love it. I'm sorry. I'm almost done. 19, here we go. 19, he says, let me, let me give you a spread of food. He gives them unleavened bread. That's kind of sad. Says, now before they laid down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both old and young, all the people from every quarter surrounded the house. And they called to Lot and said to him, where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us that we may know them carnally. So Lot went out to them through the doorway, shut the door behind them and said, verse seven, please, my brethren, do not do so wickedly. Verse eight. See, now I have two daughters who have not known a man. Please let me bring them out to you and you may do to them as you wish. Only do nothing to these men, since this is the reason they have come under the shadow of my roof. And they said, stand back. Then they said, this one came in to stay here. He keeps acting as a judge. Now we will deal worse with you than with him. So they pressed hard against the man Lot and came near to break down the door. But the men reached out their hands, pulled Lot into the house with them and shut the door. And they struck the men who were at the doorway of the house with blindness, both small and great, so that they became weary trying to find the door. Now bringing this to a close, verse 12, uh, where do we, uh, yeah, verse 12. Then the men said to Lot, have you anyone else in here, son-in-law, your sons, your daughters, and whomever you have in the city, take them out of this place. For we will destroy this place because the outcry against them has grown great before the face of the Lord. And the Lord has sent us to destroy it. So Lot went out and spoke to his sons-in-laws who had married his daughters and said, get up, get out of this place for the Lord will destroy this city. But to his sons-in-law, he seemed only to be joking. I've said this before and I'll say it again. Do not wait to talk to your children about the Lord. Do not wait. Because the day may come where it is life and death. And God forbid they look at you as if you're just joking. If you wait till it's too late to talk to your children about the Lord. God forbid it be too late. Start now. Start now. Put it in them that Jesus is the only one. The reason why you succeed is because of him. I'll tell you this quick story and I'll move on. I'm, I'm closing in just a minute. The other day I was running. Me and Parker would like to run with the dogs. He loves the race now. So the other day, I'm always, obviously I'm faster than him. He's three. But he hates that I, I'm so fast. I'm faster than him. He always wants to win. Well, the other day he asked me, and I've been looking for reasons to get him to pray, looking for reasons to ask God for help. So I told him, I said, you know who, who made me so fast? He said, who? I said, Jesus. He said, Jesus made you fast? I said, yeah. He said, okay. So about two days later, we're, we're walking the dogs again. He says, Daddy, let's race. And I'm like, all right, fine, let's do it. We start running. And as I'm letting him win, he goes, Jesus, help me. And I literally slowed down so that he would win. And as he's running, looking like running sideways, Jesus, help me. Jesus, help me. He kept saying, Jesus, help me. And I was just like, I have to let him win now. I have no choice. <laughs> right? So then the other, then like sometime later, we're running again. And, um, you know, at this point, I was so far ahead of him. You know, because I dusted him. Uh, I don't care if you're three. I'm running. And he's, Jesus, help me. Jesus. And it was too late. I already won. And he's like, I prayed. What happened? I was like, I prayed too. You know? <laughs> so we had to have that conversation. So anyways, the point I'm trying to make, and Christina, she hated it. She was like, you're, you're acting like he's just always going to win. I was like, you know what? Father-son moment. Anyways, that was just my moment. Dad moment of the year. 
So let's move right along. They thought that he was joking. Don't wait till it's too late <laughs> to outrun your children. Anyways, verse 15, when the morning dawned, the angels urged Lot to hurry, saying, Arise, take your wife, your two sons, your daughters. I'm just going to go ahead and close. Paraphrase. You can read the rest for yourself so that the apostle can come up here. If you remember the rest of the story, they grab Lot, they grab his wife, and they say, Lot, we need to go. We are destroying this city. And Lot says, okay. And the Bible says he lingered. So they grab him and they bring him out by the hand and they tell him, look, we can't destroy the city till you're gone. Now, let me say this. I don't want to get caught up in the end time teaching and all that. Not right now because we don't have the time or the place. But let me say this. It didn't matter how sinful, how lost, how in the dark lot was. God said, I will not destroy Sodom until you are out. Because you're righteous, whether you know it or not, I will not destroy this place till you are out. This place will survive as long as you are here. That's why God said, I have no choice but to grab you and get you out. He grabbed him and took him out by hand. And as he's running out, his wife turns. Now, we know the story. The Bible says she turned and became a pillar of salt. But literally, even in the Hebrew, the idea is she turned, she lingered. Let me say this. Your feet will always go wherever your heart is. Lot lingered because everything he had was there. They grab him. They pull him out. His wife stops. She turns and she lingers for a moment. And guess what happens? She gets hit. All of a sudden, she becomes salt. Lot's now lost his wife. He runs to the city named Zoar, and all of a sudden, it dawns on him. God's going to destroy everything. Zoar is not safe either. <laughs> so he says, let's go to the mountains. When they go to the mountains, all of a sudden, fire, brimstone, everything starts coming down. God destroys Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, the Bible says this. You can read it for yourself at the end of chapter 19. Abraham wakes up the next morning, and you are all sons and daughters of Sarah. Abraham wakes up the next morning, and what does he do? He stretches, he yawns, he looks out, and what does he see in the valley? Fire. He sees death, destruction. Everything where Lot was is destroyed. God, I thought we had an agreement. <laughs> and God kept up his end of the agreement. If there was 10, I won't destroy it, but there wasn't 10. He sees death, he sees fire everywhere. And you know what happens? Nine months later, Sarah's holding the baby. While Abraham is inheriting the world, God is returning her to the days of her youth right then. Amen. So that nine months Amen. later, she would be able to hold the baby. Right there, that same day, death and destruction is happening in the valley. Abraham is receiving the whole world. Likewise, at that same moment, Lot is somewhere else in the mountains, and he's lost everything. Now, what's the point? If you don't know that you are righteous, let me say this. God will still save you. The blood of Jesus compels him. <laughs> He will save you. But if you will stand on the truth that you are right with God, no matter how dark it gets, he will always make sure that you inherit the world. You can watch destruction from the mountain. You can watch destruction as you receive the world. That's why I say, look, don't be moved by what's going on in the world. Don't be moved by everything that's going on. You are not of the world. We're in it, but we're not of it. We are in the mountains. We are watching what's going on. You're just watching it with your eyes. Again, David said you might see it on your right. You might see it on your left, but it cannot touch you. Your inheritance, your promise is you will inherit. That's your promise. That's your promise. You can't inherit if you're sick. You can't inherit if you're poor. You can't inherit if every time you try, you fail. So stop trying and just inherit. Can you do this with me? Say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ by faith, not by what I've done, good or bad. I am a son I am a, or a daughter. Say, I'm a son or daughter of Abraham and Sarah, of grace. I live on Mount Zion. And again, I am in Christ. 
Father, I thank you that everyone this morning is receiving the blessings of Abraham right now. The blessing of Abraham. Father, that Abraham was made righteous by not what he did, but by what he believed. Likewise, everyone in here is receiving that blessing right now. And Father, that inheritance is coming into everyone's hands, even right now, Lord. Even right now. Everywhere where we've stopped and looked at ourselves, our own actions, our own deeds. Father, I thank you right now our eyes are being shifted back onto Jesus, back onto his obedience, back onto his obedience, Father. And because of his obedience, the blessing of Abraham is pouring into our lives right now. Father, the world may go down in a burning flame, but we are on your mountain receiving life, even right now. So, Father, we thank you that we are in the secret place of the Most High, abiding under your shadow. And we thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Everyone say Hallelujah. Apostle. Huh? Thanks for listening to Center Church Podcast. We trust that you've been blessed. If you'd like to receive more of our content in the future, you can email us at centercharlotte at gmail.com or just visit our website at centercharlotte.org. Thanks for tuning in and may God's grace cover you in every area of your life.